Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Wednesday afternoon, Suns and the Lakers tonight, 7 o'clock tip time. You'll hear it right here on Arizona Sports, as Eric just mentioned in the Sports Center update a second ago. Suns, losers of four of their last five, still just kind of looking at the schedule, waiting, watching, hoping, wishing for Kevin Durant to come walking through that door at some point, but still needing to survive without him and still miraculously doing just that. I, I mean, I, I think it was Flex from Jersey who pointed out on Twitter. Twitter last night or this morning that really, if you look at the standings, not that much has changed for the Suns since they've lost Kevin Durant, which is a borderline miracle, given that they've lost four of their last five. They're kind of hanging out in fourth still. Golden State can win on the road. The Clippers, you just don't know what to expect. I mean, it's such an odd year, you know, that the teams that have been that the, the most reliable team has probably been Sacramento, who's just lost two games in a row. Uh, you know, Denver, like the team, we said this yesterday, the teams at the top don't really scare you. Denver, Sacramento, Memphis. Memphis and the teams right below you, Dallas, Golden State, the Clippers, they usually do, but everybody's dealing with something right now, maybe except for Sacramento. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's just an odd year. George Shadano said it too, like LeBron kind of senses that the weakness in the West, where if they could just get in, they might have a shot to do something. No, that's, you just said it so well just a second ago. Everybody's dealing with something right now. And, and, and it, yeah, the Suns, maybe they're dealing with more than others because they're missing one of their best two players. Players, but the, even then, they're not alone in that. We just mentioned in the last segment, Luca, how he's going to play tonight. Kyrie's not. He's ruled out. He's got a foot injury. Yes. Everybody is dealing with something right now in the West, except for Sacramento, who just lost back-to-back games. And Denver really doesn't have any injuries they're dealing with. They just they look bored. They look like they're just yeah. kind of ready for the playoffs to start because they they're going to they're going to win the West unless they just absolutely collapse upon themselves. Anybody who's Anybody among Suns fans knows that one of the things that made last year's team so special was the way they played in the clutch. And the clutch is defined in the NBA. We went through this last year, but just in case, let's do it again. A game that is within five points with five minutes to go. If at any point the game reaches that, within five, under five, it is considered a clutch game. And the Suns last year, Gambo, we know, were remarkable in clutch time games. They were but one of the best of all time, not just the best in a season, they were historically one of the top five best clutch teams in the history of the game. 33-9, and nine, a winning percentage of about 79%, fourth best in the history of the NBA. Fourth best in the history of the NBA. 33-9 and nine a year ago, one of the NBA's worst, 13-17 and 17 this year. You know, th- th- there's two things here. One... Just the the uh, laws of gravity, like it's not always going to be that way. Like a, regre- a, lot, a regression to the mean, yeah. It's, yeah not, it's not like you're not always going to be that. Like a lot of things went right last year. Yes, for them to win a franchise record, what sixty four games to have those clutch numbers, a lot of things went right. So that, but eventually, like that stuff evens itself out. You're not going to always be that good. You're not going to. This year's team is a different team as well. I mean. You know, you didn't have Jay to start the season for the full, for, and then you've traded Mikhail and Cam. You've had injuries to Book, injuries to Paul, um, injury to DA. It's just, you know, so you haven't had the continuity in the lineup to allow for that. Where last year, I think you had a lot, there was a lot more continuity in the lineup, which led to that record where there's not that same thing this year. Yeah, I think continuity is a, is a big part of what's going on here. I, I think there's something else going on here too that is is explained by something we've seen all year long, and that's just 
Chris Paul is not the same guy he was a year ago. And and I, I hate to, I'm not trying to blame everything on him. I'm not trying to say it's all his fault because A, that's not accurate and B, that's not particularly nice. But if we're being honest about it, if we're talking about clutch time moments in the past, well, Kellen wrote a great story about this at ArizonaSports.com, our own Kellen Olson. He described him as a maestro, especially in the last five minutes of the game. He was, he was, he was the conductor. He was tar. He was out there just running the whole show and everybody knew it this year he's been a far cry of that what what kellen did today and i don't want to get into all of the numbers because it's a lot of numbers it's a better read than it is something to talk about but kellen did a really nice job i thought of looking at games this year where not just clutch moments but like are they tied and trailing in the clutch or are they tied and winning in the clutch and where the suns have really really struggled this year is in these clutch time moments when they're either tied or they're winning the game in the clutch, they fall apart. That, that's I mean that okay. Here's here's the numbers that back that up. Okay. Okay. Last year, the Suns were thirty three and four in games that it either tied or at one point led in the last five minutes of a game that was five points or less. This year, Suns are thirteen and thirteen. That is tied for last wow. in the NBA. Wow. And he looked at shooting percentages. All right, and it's it's book it's Booker. It's Paul. Not DA. Not DA. It's not DeAndre Ayton. No, but but Kellen surmises that part of the reason why it's not DeAndre Ayton is that Chris Paul is deferring to DeAndre Ayton. That Chris Paul's not comfortable with his shot in those moments, so he's looking to DA in these clutch time moments more than he is looking to himself because he doesn't trust him. Now, Kellen doesn't write this, but I'm, I'm surmising this. That Chris Paul doesn't trust himself in those moments the way he used to, and so he's looking for DA more in those clutch time. He's shooting like 75% in that, which is a big increase from a year ago. Chris Paul's had a big decrease. Devin Booker's had a big decrease. It's a weird number, weird year. There was a time last year where you didn't, you know, you felt like Chris was playing at, at, at the same level he had played the year before in Milwaukee. Well, it wasn't until, I think, the playoffs with the New Orleans series where we started to see some slippage. Even then, there was a great game where Chris Paul was, what, like 14 out of 15 or 13 14 for 14 against the 14 Pelicans. 14 for 14 yeah. was unbelievable. But, you know, obviously in, in that series with Alvarado pressuring him and what Dallas did to him, we saw that we started to see slippage. He's going to be 38. Years old in like six weeks. Give me like 38 years old. Like eventually, Father Time catches up with everybody. I still think he could hit that, you know, that elbow jumper, that mid range shot that he's so excellent at. If he could get to his spot, he's automatic. He's just automatic. He'll be automatic at 60 years old hitting that. It's just a matter of, you know, can you still get to that spot when you start to slow down a little bit? Yeah. Um, the numbers. Okay. So last year, when they were winning by, by five or they were tied in the last five minutes, when they were ahead. At one point, Paul was shooting like 59%. Devin Booker was shooting 58%. This year, Paul's shooting 33%. Booker's even worse. He's like 28% in moments like that. Aiden, Aiden's been shooting 58% in those moments, but he's getting a lot more looks in those moments than he did a year ago, in part because I think Paul's just not looking for his shot as much. And, and it, look, all of this, like everything about the Phoenix Suns, it all changes the minute Kevin Durant walks through that door, right? Right? I mean, this equation. All of it. All, I mean, all of it. Think about the three games that he played in. Okay. It was Chicago, uh, Charlotte, and Dallas. Dallas. And it was in the Dallas game. That was a clutch time game. Who was it who was taking the big shot at the end? Kevin he Durant. Did. 
Right, he did. Who was it? Who was hitting the big free throws at the end? He did. Now, no, that's why it's hard to evaluate these games, and you know, you, you know, it means everything for the Lakers tonight. But you're sitting here with the Suns. Okay, like if they lose these games, if they fall from four to five, it's just like it just doesn't matter. None of this stuff matters. We're sitting here, you know, we we dissect these games, we talk about them, and you try to figure, okay, what can you do to get better? Yeah, you want to win the games. You want to make sure you hold on to the four seed. They were never going to make a move up to three or two without Kevin Durant. I mean, without you know their best player. I mean, it's just there's just not enough weapons for this team. If this team right now played 82 basketball games, they're not a playoff team. Even with Devin Booker, they're not a playoff team. If you're rolling Devin Booker, a 38-year-old Chris Paul out there with Josh Okogie and Tory Craig as your starters, that's not a playoff team. Now, maybe you get in a play, a play-in game, maybe. But you're not a good team. So there's so much hopes on, you know, it just shows you, too, like the impact of Durant is like, with Durant, you could possibly win a championship. Yeah. Without him, you question whether this team that exists right now is even a playoff well, team. Well, and then the the depth that you had to give up to get Kevin Durant. Oh, don't, a big factor, sure. You don't have Mikel out there. You don't have Cam out there. You don't You don't have Jay out there. Now, you were never going to have Jay out there. And we'll talk a little bit more about Mikel a little bit later. He didn't have a good night last night for the Nets. He was 0 for 8 from distance. But, but to, to not have any of those guys that you gave up for Kevin Durant, and Look, there's in a lot of circumstances like this, this, the simplest explanation tends to be the the truest. All right. And I think one of them you brought up a second ago, the regression to the mean. It was bound to happen. They were not going to keep up that pace from a year ago. But I don't think anybody saw them sliding that much this year. And I think the simplest explanation is they're projected starting lineup like it like perfect world. Here's our starting lineup tonight. They've been able to do that 10 times this year, the whole season. Ten times. It just changes everything. Somebody has to win the West. Yes. Somebody will win Somebody the West. Somebody has to win the West. Somebody will win it. <laughs> and I don't, I, I mean, if we took, if we each took three different teams right now, I don't know who would, you know, if, 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 if three of us took three different teams. Yeah. Like, I'll give you the first pick. I'll get the second pick. You get the. Th- we did like a draft to see. We did who like won a draft to yeah. see. I mean, I. We're going to mock my draft like on the morning show. I don't show, know. Yeah. Like, I world. don't know. Yeah. Who would your first pick be? Um, I'd be the. I would be the homer pick and I would take okay. the Phoenix Suns first. Just counting on Kevin Durant health. But that's the only reason why I'd do it. That's it. Yeah. Legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement. And what? we would like to hear from you on that. Retiring in basketball? Text Al to 620-620. Submit a video thank you Al message. We might even play it on the air. Text the word Al to 620-620 as this is his final year as the voice of the Phoenix Suns. When we come back, are the Arizona Cardinals trying to tank? That's next. Burns and Gambo. And Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Okay, tell you for what it is. Okay, it's power ranking. Yes, but still. Last? Last. Last. Yes. We call it power tanking (laughs) here in Arizona. (laughs) What's the latest power tanking out the Cardinals at? 
is we're going to call it the power is tanking. Worse than thirty second. I didn't no. think there was. Um, no, we just work. Well, you work from backwards. And instead of like who's your number one, you work backwards. You know who's who's last. I'll be honest with you. I really wasn't surprised by this at all. Um, you sent this in your email today. I actually had it in mind to you as well. We both saw the same thing. NFL.com, uh, kind of their free agency week one, and just a, a power ranking of overall all the teams, all the rosters. I, I'm really not surprised, not one bit, that the Arizona Cardinals are 32nd in the league out of 32. No, because what the hell have they done? They haven't in free agency. They, they haven't done it. All they've done is kind of showed that we don't really have a willingness to win right now. So look at the guys we're signing. Yeah. I mean, yesterday they, led, they they signed one of the worst offensive linemen in the National Football League in the past decade. That's who they signed last yesterday. Like a guy who, hey, this guy gave up the most sacks and the most pressures. Let's go get him. No, there's no question that, that like, you know, the, the commitment to win this year, if you're seeing it, I'd like you to open my eyes because my eyes are not seeing it. No, I haven't seen it either, and, and I'm not surprised they're ranked 32nd um, at all. And, and for the record, the, the team that was ahead of them, the Colts, the Texans were 30th, the Commanders were 29th, uh, and the Arizona Cardinals were dead last. Uh, the, the question is, is this the plan, right? The, the, I mean, it's a good question, but it has to be. I, I, I don't know what else it can be. Right, like I asked that question, and it comes out of my mouth. I mean, if if this isn't the plan, if this isn't what they're trying to do, then I would love to know what the hell the plan is with the Arizona Cardinals, because it it very much feels like a like I said yesterday, a good cold, long stare at yourself in the mirror and the realization that you are not there and that this season is not worth it for you to try to get there. So let's, if you want to call it tank, you want to call it rebuild, whatever verbiage you want to attach to it, we all, this is what it looks like, an acknowledgement that they're not going to be very good this year and that pouring resources into making yourself good this year, it's not worth it because the roster is so thin. I saw a story today and the headline was Pulse Check. Are the Cardinals alive this offseason? And it says uh, it's been relatively quiet thus far from free agent perspective. Is that a cause for concern? Yeah, you're damn right it is. I mean, they've got they've got a decent amount of cap space and they're not using it on anybody worth a damn. So, I mean, don't try to sell me on L.J. Collier or Dennis Daly uh, or Zach Pascal as these are good picks for the Cardinals. They're really going to help. I mean, nobody's buying that. No. I mean, nobody's buying. But it. is they, anybody selling that? That's a good question. I don't know what they're selling. Is, it, it's, it's, is it's, anybody it's, selling that? It's like you, you, you know, you go, you go to the flea market. I'm not really sure what this booth is selling. Let me. I don't know what they're selling. What are the, what are they selling? It's a fair question. What are the Cardinals selling? Because there is no, you know. At least some teams will kind of let you know what you know what the plan is. With this organization, we've got no freaking clue. Are you trying to be bad? If you are, I'm okay with that. Okay. Like, I'm okay with it. Or are you trying to be good and you just don't know what you're doing and you're signing bad football players? Okay. Like, I don't know. Okay. But so, I'm okay with being bad. So it's not... It's not- the method necessarily. It's not the results. I mean, if they're, you're saying if they're trying to be bad, you're fine with that plan. I'm fine with if, the if, plan. If that's, you just want to know. You just want to be told. But you, you just, don't you, try to tell me that you're signing these guys and you think you're going to be competitive next year. Don't try to tell me that because you, 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 that, that's a but lie. so far they haven't done that. So far they haven't really said anything. But that's why I, I, I don't know what they're selling. Right. I don't know what they're selling. I know what the Coyotes are selling. Coyotes are selling a rebuild. I know what the Suns have been selling. James Jones was very obvious. We've talked about it many times. We're gonna. We don't have the ability to go get the top two guys, so we're gonna build our depth. And now, but once we can get the top guys, and you know now, so you kind of know what they're selling. Yeah. You, you know. You know what Matt Ishby is selling. I don't know what they're selling. I don't know. It looks like. It looks like. You know they're 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 selling. 
losing, that they're selling tanking, yep. that they're selling, you know, candy corn right now. The same article, and I, I skipped ahead to the bottom, and it was on, I think it was Revenge of the Birds that did this, and, and they they did this, a lot of the same things that we're all doing. They're, they're looking at the totality of the offseason, and they're, they're thinking, this is it? This is what you've done so far? I'm going to fast forward to the end of the article. In which the author, and I'm not sure who it is, writes, quote, I see this lack of big spending as progress. The time will come to make flashy free agent signings. That time isn't now. It's time to embrace the rebuild. And in the NFL, you can rebuild in just about a year or two if the people in charge know what they're doing. Steve Kime didn't. Let's hope Monty Austin Fort does. And I think what is going on now is just as much a reflection, if not more so, of the mistakes Steve Kime made when he was the general manager than it is of the inactivity of the Cardinals this offseason. He left a mess, a mess of a roster, an absolute mess filled with salary cap allocations to guys who shouldn't have had it, risky roster spot moves, draft picks that never should have been burned in the name of getting Trayvon Mullins and Hollywood Brown, Hollywood, Robbie, Robbie Anderson, Anderson. Uh, Cody Ford, who's not even here anymore, right? I, I mean, giving a, look, at, look at what wide receivers are going for this offseason, right? Last year, the Cardinals gave up a first-round draft pick for Hollywood Brown. Probably got a third-rounder from this year. The Rams got a third-rounder for Jalen Ramsey, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. I, I mean, so you, we can sit here and say, what the hell are they doing? What's the message? What are we trying? There's a mess to clean up. There's a, and, and cleaning up messes isn't easy. It's, it takes a lot of work. And I think my, and I'm not, this sounds like I'm trying to defend Monty. I, I'm trying to defend, I think, what is very clearly the position of the organization. Now, whether they say it or not, whether they announce their intentions or not, of that I have no freaking clue. I, I don't know if they're going to do that. But I think their intentions are crystal clear this offseason. All right? And it is not to win in 2023. We want to lead the power tankings. <laughs> I'm happy I just invented that. Yeah. So just, I've never heard it before. Would, so would that be a bad thing? No, no, not a bad thing at all. Get another top five pick next year. You know why I like it? Let me tell you why I like it. Kyler Murray comes back after six games. Say misses six. Plays in 11 games. Ugh, he's not still not that good. You know what? It's probably a little bit early earlier than you want to get, get off of him, but you're closer. You're closer to being able to get off of Kyler Murray. So you get a top five pick next year, and here's a quarterback that you really, really like. Draft him. Draft him. Yeah. I'm not there yet with Kyler. Well, I would. I said it has to take him yeah. playing next year okay. and playing yeah. poorly. Yeah, it's it's. But that, at least you have the option. If you're Monty Austin for you, like, look, I don't know if this guy's any good or not. You're Jonathan Gaddon. I really don't know. You got it. You you got him for you have him for one more year, and then you probably have him for one more year after that before you could truly get off of it. But if you have a really good pick next year, you could say, look, I know for sure this guy's not the answer. We're never going to be in a better position to get a draft pick. Let's do it. Let's get it. Let's let's draft a guy. Yeah. So I I'm all for like having another bad year, at getting assets, having picks. Now you got it. Listen, they let Byron Murphy go. They let Zach Allen go. They let good football players go too. Sure. This isn't just about signing bad football players, which they've done a really good job of. Nobody in the league has been better at signing bad football players than the Cardinals this year. <laughs> they lead the league in signing bad football players. They're the best at it. You signed a wide receiver who had 15 catches last year. You signed an offensive lineman who gave up the most sacks and the most pressures. You signed a defensive lineman who I'm being told that can't 
play inside and can't play outside. He doesn't have the speed to be on the edge and doesn't have the power to be inside. I mean, they've done a good job of signing guys that really don't seem to fit. The guy, so, I, go ahead. So I do think. So I do think that it's you know you're just plugging holes right now because you need to fill roster spots, but your intention is to lose. I can sit here and make a list, but the guy who would be at the top of the list of people I feel bad for is Buddha. I feel I feel bad for Buddha. This is a, this is a bad beat for Buddha. Is this he just he just drew a really bad beat on this because he's he's going to be on a team. Would you trade him? Um, Would you trade him? The hell! Will, I mean, what, what's worth keeping him for if your your plan is that you're going to stink for a few years because the cupboards were bare? I'd think about it. I'd give it. I'd give it. I know that's not the yes or no you're looking for. I'd give it some serious thought if somebody was going to blow me away with an offer. I get a phone call on him. I'm not like, oh no, he's untouchable. Oh, I'm not hanging up the phone. No, I'm. I'm what listening. are you willing to offer me? I'm listening. It would just. It would. It would kick your fan base in the gut if that happened. Have you subscribed to the Burns and Gambo Show podcast? I know Gambo has. Subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You will not miss any of our show. The Burns and Gambo Show is brought to you by Carol Royce, your home. Sold guaranteed realty. Go to carolhasthebuyers.com. That's carolhasthebuyers.com and start packing. The World Baseball Classic lived up to the hype. Is it here to stay? Will we get it more often? What does baseball do with this gem next on the Burns and Gambo Show? Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The Japanese call, obviously, from Japan beating Team USA in the World Baseball Classic last night. And Shohei Otani striking out Mike Trout at the end of the game was the stuff of absolute legend. Mike Trout after the game on Shohei Otani winning round one of the game. He won round one. Uh, no, it's, you can't take anything away from it. Just to be able to come out of the bullpen, um, you know, as a starter and, um, you know, it's showtime. So it's, uh, you know, hats off to them guys over there. It was a tough, tough night for us, but uh, we'll be back. Couldn't have scripted it any better. I mean, you, you, you seriously could not have arranged it better. Then, then to have Otani against Trout at the end of the game. Two of the best players in the world who are teammates yeah. with a literal game on the line, right? A one-run game. And in that moment, you, you could not, like, if you were in a boardroom, you know what the best ending to the World Baseball Classic would be? It'd be Shohei Otani pitching to Mike Trout in a one-run game with two out in the ninth inning. That would be, you, you couldn't have, marketing people couldn't have come up with better than what we had last night. It was perfect. Do you think... And I, I had this thought yesterday because I desperately wanted the USA to win. But Otani is such a fan favorite here. Do you think that there were people that were rooting for Otani over Trout in that situation? Um, yeah, I do. I think I so. I was so curious about that because I just don't know. He, I, like, I found myself wanting USA to win. You know why? Because this is our national pastime. Okay, mm-hmm. we, and, I, and I had heard on the broadcast somebody mention that Otani had to tell those guys to, to relax because you're playing your, your, your legends, your, your heroes. To a lot of the Japanese team, and this was on the broadcast last night when I was watching it, they said oh, Otani had to just kind of tell them, like, you know, they're 
you got to calm down. Like they were getting, they were getting very hyped that they were getting, getting to play against Mookie Betts and they were getting to play against Paul Goldschmidt. They were getting all these guys that they revere, mm-hmm. that they look up to. Like they want to play in the major leagues. They want to, th- th- those are idols to them, the Japanese players. So Tani had to kind of like tell them, look, they're just baseball players too. Let's go out there. And he kind of had to calm them down. But I do wonder because Otani is such a fan favorite for a lot of people here. Um, if people were actually rooting for him to strike out Mike Trout, I wasn't because I think that I, I wanted USA to, to win desperately because this is our game. Yeah. It's our game. It's a, it's a, it's a tough question to answer. And I, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know how everybody was feeling, but I, I think Otani is one of those singular stars. Like, like he's, he's just, he's such a big deal and, and he's so widely popular. And he's, I mean, did you, you, you I sent you the numbers. He, he's responsible for the hardest hit ball and the hardest thrown ball in the right. entire World Baseball Classic. Right. Yep. He hit a ball 118 miles per hour. He threw one 102. He's a freak show. And I, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. He is a living, walking, breathing baseball freak show. And I think people are attracted to greatness. People want to see greatness. They want to see great athletes do great things. So to answer, I, again, I wouldn't put a percentage on it. I don't know. But there's no doubt in my mind there were some people in this country who were who wanted to see Shohei Otani do that last night wow. because he is a singular great star. Um, did, you, did you see the Pedro Martinez thing on the I MLB did. Network? I oh, did. My, praising was, him. Just oh, praising listen him. Listen to this. On behalf of baseball, for all the fans, from all the players, all of us that know baseball, we want to thank you for the effort, for uh, the discipline, for everything you have done for baseball and what you represent to baseball. I just want to personally thank him. Amen to that. For, for all you do. All you do. We are really proud and thankful and grateful for what you do. You're a special human being. So we want to thank you and recognize you. It looked like when Shohei was listening to that, it looked like he was sitting on a thumbtack, man. He looks so uncomfortable. He's just like, okay, all right, all right. I, yeah. I, I, I get it. It was funny. One of the And he, he still uses the interpreter. Yeah, he does. He still I uses think, the I interpreter. think he's got a limited understanding. So I think he kind of knew the gist of what Pedro was saying without right. having it interpreted for him. But, but yeah, he still had the interpreter standing next to him. I, it was funny in the aftermath. One of the almost immediate reactions was that the big, that there weren't very many losers in the World Baseball Classic. And one of the biggest was the actual Angels themselves because Shohei Otani in five years there, this is the biggest game he's ever played in in his life. And none of them have come with the Angels. Mike Trout has been in one playoff series with the Angels and it was so back sad. in 2014. It is that these two so sad. giant stars, can't, giant can't get stars, to the postseason. can't even get there, man. I know. It, it was so bad. It's so bad for baseball because if they were in the postseason every year, ratings would be through the roof. And they really would. I mean, I, I went to an Angels game this past year, um, last summer. So I was at, I went to an Angels game. It was a nice ballpark, That's and it's a fine. it's it's you know they just can't they just can't win. Nope. They just can't win. They never have the pitching. Never have the pitching. No. And, and what makes it different now? Trout is under contract. Shohei Otani and Artie Moreno has said, as long as we're competitive, we're not trading him this year. He gets to the end of the season. He's a free agent. Buster only this morning on Get Up said. 
that Shohei Otani deal, it's going to start with a six. I think it's going to be $600 million plus because there's nobody else in baseball that can do what he can do, that can replicate his production, replicate his marketability. We're going to be talking about him through the trade deadline. We're going to be talking about him going into the offseason and all the way through free agency. Mets, Dodgers, maybe the Yankees, maybe the Mariners, and the Angels trying to keep him. He's going to have enormous bidding for the best player in the world. $600 million. <laughs> and you know what? Somebody's going to pay it. Worth every penny. What did you say, 28 years old? 28 years 28 old. 28 years old. Okay. So 28 still. years old. I, you know... The, the obvious thing with baseball is their major problem is that they, you know, these agents are able to get these guys paid at 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, and it's just Albert Pujols and um, uh, Miggy in Detroit, Cabrera, like some of these contracts, like, man, these guys, you know, you're paying for a guy's first half of his contract, and then you're, man, you're paying for the, you're really taking it, you know, for the second half of the contract because the guy's no good anymore. So Otani will be interesting to see how long he could play at a high level. There's been so many great players that have come over from Japan and you know done great things. Hideki Matsui winning a championship with the New York Yankees was a big deal. But it would be great. I think you're 100% right on Otani. Man, you got to figure out a way to get him in the postseason. Like, he's got to leave the Angels if they're not... If, they, if Artie Moreno can't get that team in the postseason, he's got to go play somewhere where he could be on the biggest stage. Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening with them and what ends up happening with him. But the, the Angels were really the only one of the few losers in last night. The, the World Baseball Classic was a massive success. Uh, the 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 ratings, I don't know what the ratings were. I, I know around the world they were absolutely enormous. Everybody tuned in to the point where such a success, they're already, and when I say they, I say people in the media. I don't mean necessarily the sport, but there's already talk about, like, how do we get more of this? How do we do this more often? Rob Manfred said yesterday that they are 100% committed to returning in 2026. It's like an every four-year thing. They had to skip a year because of the pandemic. Um, how, how do we get this every year? And a suggestion on the athletic website was very simple. They said, move the All-Star game to a, an after-the-season, middle-of-the-off-season kind of thing. Make the mid-season break two weeks in July and print money. And that was there. That's exactly the line. Make the mid-season break two weeks in July and print money. Because you would, you'd print money. Wow! So every year, do it. Every year, every year. Take two weeks off at the All Star break and do. Where do you play the games? You play. It makes it so easy to do it now because spring training is in Florida and it's in Arizona. All the players are together. Yeah. Where would you do it in the middle of, you know, the break? In the early rounds, Mitch, correct me if I'm wrong, in the early rounds, the games were in Miami, Arizona, and Japan, right? There was a fourth pool site as well, but the location is escaping me at the moment. Okay, so so it, it did, in the first round, it was international. I mean, it wasn't, the games just weren't here. So logistically, yeah, you I, would you just have them all here? Would you ask the players to fly to other countries to play and then have them come back? Oh, it's a lot, it's a lot of ask. travel it's a lot in the of, middle. It's a lot you know? to ask. It, it's, it's a lot going on there. I, I, I don't, something tells me they won't do that. And then, of course, as we talked about yesterday, Yesterday, Rob Manfred very much wants to figure out a way to entice pitchers to do this. Like the the position players that were in it, great. He wants to figure out a way to work with clubs so that the very best pitchers in the game are in it too. There was something that triggered the N- the NBA's best players to play in the Olympics. I think they they had lost. Yes, right. And it was like okay. It was. 
I think maybe maybe losing that game yesterday will motivate these pitchers to say, I'm going to play. I didn't like watching USA lose. I didn't like watching Japan celebrate. So maybe something, something as simple as that. Yeah. They, need, they needed to, to see what happened last night and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to pitch next time. So we win. If your bracket is busted, do not worry. Madness Maniacs, you still have a shot at $500. Text the word BUCKS to 62620. We're going to send you a link to fill out your 16-team bracket. Again, text the word BUCKS to 62620. It's the Arizona Sports Bracket BUCKS. It's presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. Would the Indianapolis Colts even want to trade up to number three in the draft? Is it bad if they don't? Asking for a friend next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back here on the Burns and Gambo Show. What is today? Today's March 22nd. We're almost exactly one month away from the NFL draft. I think it's April 26th. So we're getting close. We're getting close. And uh, I sent you a note today. Um, the pro days are starting to happen for the quarterbacks in this draft. Today was Ohio State's very well attended, by the way, Ohio State's pro day. There were all sorts. And not just for C.J. Stroud. Ryan Day has built himself a hell of a program there where there's a lot of players to come check out, but uh, Ohio State's very well-attended pro day was today. Uh, tomorrow is Bryce Young. Friday is Will Levis. And then on March 30th is Anthony Richardson. You would think by then that the Colts will know. Who do you want? Who do you want? What do you have to do to go get them? Right, Because once the pro days are done, yeah, you could have them in for individual workouts and more meetings and you know, bring in the whiteboard and have them you know, draw up plays on the old grease board and things like that. But once we get past the pro days, you're, you're kind of in the lane now for the draft, right? It's, it's like, okay, who do you like? Who do you want? And what do you have to do to go get them? The only caveat to that is to where's Lamar Jackson going to end up and Indeed. make sure he doesn't end up in Indianapolis. Indeed. Now, I don't know where Lamar Jackson's going to play, and he might just end up playing on that tag number for $32 million with the Ravens because it doesn't seem like anybody's biting. But all it takes is one team, and if I'm, I'm the Colts, do I, do I go trade for Lamar Jackson? Do I, go make a, do I sign Lamar Jackson to a deal that can't be uh, matched, or do I try to work out a sign-and-trade type of deal with him? Like I don't know what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson, but just say they stay where they're at. Yeah, you would expect that they'll have a draft board, and on their draft they will have the quarterbacks listed, and they'll like one better than the, the other one, another one better than the other two, and a third guy and a fourth guy. Where Richardson and Levis fall in that group, I don't know. But like you've said, and I agree with it, you have to really love one a lot more than you like the other one in order to move up one spot and give up draft capital. Yeah, the worst thing that could happen to the Cardinals is if the, Car- if the Colts like both of them. If the Colts like both of them and they don't feel compelled to move up to get one or the other, if they'd be happy with either, then you're screwed if you're the Cardinals. You're not going to make a deal. The Ringer, uh, they came out with their latest mock draft today, and I think this one's going to be music to the ears of Cardinals fans if it can come true. They've got the flip between the Colts and the Cardinals at 3-4. and four. They've got the Colts moving up, the Cardinals moving down one spot and still getting Will Anderson. The trade parameters are this. The Colts trade a third rounder this year, a fourth rounder this year, a third rounder next year. Fine. To move up one spot. Yeah. Two thirds and a fourth. Done. That, that's yeah. that's a landmine to me. That's great. Let's go gold mine, not a landmine. That's a gold mine. Let's do it. 
I think that anything that you're adding and you're still getting the guy you want is just like, you know, unless you're not going to say, okay, I'll take a sixth round pick and I'll, you'll move down one, you know, you can move up one spot. You've got to get what they deem fair value, but you're not looking to oversell it. Like, cause you know, you still want to, the most important thing out of that is you still get the guy that you want. That's the most important thing. I still want to get the guy that I want the most, which is Will Anderson, but what else can I add? Now you want to get greedy and try to push it. Maybe you, I'd be afraid to do that and have them back off and say no deal. Yeah, I, I look, I'd be satisfied with just one pick to move. I'd prefer two. Like, this is three. All right, if you can get three again. Two thirds and a fourth. Would you rather money. have a second um, instead of two thirds and a fourth? I would rather. No, I think I'd rather have two thirds and, and a fourth. I think okay. I'd rather have the quantity. Give me the at bats. Yeah, I think I'd rather have that. But if if you're telling me I get one pick, two picks, or three picks, regardless of round, I mean, I'll I'll do it for one pick as long as it's a second. But I would prefer two. I, I think I think the Cardinals can swing this where they get two extra swings of the bat at this in the draft. They would win. Now they've got the Colts moving up to take Anthony Richardson. Uh, we have not played Anthony Richardson's draft profile okay. yet. It is one of the new crew, so it's either Zach Larson, it's either Jarek Carlin, or it's Jesse Morrison. And you I go wa- first. I wa- yeah, I get to go, go first because I got the one right yesterday. I'm going to say Jarek Carlin voiced this one. All right, I'll go Jesse. Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Under the radar up until the 2022 college football season, Richardson is a dual-threat quarterback with elite physical features, standing at 6'4 and weighing 244 pounds of pure muscle. He has some speed as well, running a 4-4-3 40-yard dash at this year's combine. The concerns around Richardson revolve around his accuracy, completing just 53% of his passes in his final season with the Gators. But his ability to make explosive plays in the air or on the ground make him a viable option for any team in need of a quarterback. NFL comp former Carolina Panthers quarterback Cam Newton. Zach Larson voicing that apparently from the club, apparently. He went clubbing when he was voicing that one. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, we both got that one wrong. That was Zach Larson with that. You, right. you sent over a story today and I, I saw uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. on with Scott Van Pelt last night and he was talking about the boomer bust quality of the quarterbacks Man. in this year's draft and that's the, that's the funky part about Levis and Richardson is that they are both boom or bust at field. Yeah, and they say that, that the number of clubs desperate for franchise quarterback vastly outweigh the number of surefire prospects available. So there's more teams that need a quarterback than there are quarterbacks like, okay, these guys are going to be good. And they say with Levis, he isn't a bad prospect, but he's far from a slam dunk worth exp- expending a top 10 selection on. So, you know, that's the thing. I mean, Bleacher reports scouting department has him ranked as the number 38 player overall, and he could go three or four in this draft. So it is, you know, and they they talk about his numbers, but they talk about like, he had 43 touches, but he had 23 interceptions. He coughed up four fumbles, and he actually played his best games against lower quality competition. Against uh, going for over 250 yards just once in 16 tries against SEC opponents. So here's a kid at Kentucky that when he played teams in the SEC, he had 16 chances and only once did he throw for over 250 yards. So he didn't really fare well against the best the SEC had to offer. So, you know, that's a red flag. And in Richardson, I think we all know with Richardson, you know, the the, the combine numbers were through the roof. He's fast and he jumps high and he measures out very well. But he only played 13 games for the Gators. 
years. He didn't take over the full-time job until this past year, and he just didn't complete enough passes to make people be like, oh, God, this guy's a surefire thing because he just, you know, he could throw the ball a mile, but you, you question where the ball's going. Yeah, I, 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 there's no question both of these guys are. The, the, the variance between whether they're going to succeed or not is wide. Uh, Mel Kuyper Jr., when he was talking about it this morning or last night on SportsCenter, suggest, at least I got the vibe was suggesting that for him, Will Levis is a little bit more of a sure thing. Like, I think he believes more in Will Levis than he does in Anthony Richardson for whatever that's worth, for whatever, you know, value you want to assign a Mel Kuyper Jr.'s grade on this one. I mean, even in the minds of some, Bryce Young is he's not short. boom or bust, but is a risk because he's so small and so slight and not necessarily the fastest runner, but he's so smart in the pocket and getting rid of the ball. And he had great games against great competition. Yeah, He played very well against great competition. Look, it's nice, isn't it, in a way, not having to worry about whether one of these guys is a boom or a bust. All you need is... I'm the, worried about whether my own guy is a boom well, or a bust. I know, but okay, he has been here for three I, years. I, I, I'll give you that, but I'm just talking about in the context of this year's draft. In the context of this year's draft, it is really nice not having to worry that you're the Cardinals and you need a quarterback and you're sitting at three and you're trying to figure out which one of these two is going to be great. You just need the Colts to figure out which one of these two is going to be great. And you just need the Colts to act on that by giving you a whole bunch of picks to move up one spot. It's I, I agree in the big picture. We're trying to figure out whether our quarterback is still good enough to be you yeah. know a starter in this league. But in the context of this year's draft, it's kind of nice not to have to worry about it. And let other teams figure you. You figure it out, Indianapolis. You figure out which quarterback you like best. Just yeah. give us a few extra picks, and we'll move down. One no, spot. listen. Sometimes you know right away. You get Joe Burrow, you know right away. You got Kyler Murray. You're four years into Kyler Murray. You're like, I don't even know if this guy's going to be any good or not. So, I mean, I, I'd much rather be in a situation that the Chargers are in, or the Bengals are in, or Kansas City was in. And yep. you know, right now, San Francisco doesn't know what they have. The Packers don't know what they have with Jordan Love, and the Cardinals still don't know what they have. When we come back, there's a lot going on today. The four o'clock reset. We'll get you all caught up, so stick around for that next in the Burns and Gambo Show.